Hello everyone, we are back. This is It's Technically Romance, where we take a look at Hallmark films from the technical side. And the romantic side. This is Hamilton. And I'm Stephanie. And today we have a very special episode for you guys. Yes, we are thrilled to have Nathan Michael Fletcher here today. Mm -hmm. um, he was the costume designer on Snowkissed, and we're very excited to talk to him about all things costumes and get his take on what it's like uh, making a Hallmark movie. Mm -hmm. And if you guys listen to our previous episode, you'll know that we are big fans of Snowkissed, so we're really looking forward to speaking with him today. So let's welcome him to the podcast. Hi, I'm Nathan Michael Fletcher, and I was the costume designer for Snowkissed. We just want to say congrats on, you know, your first costume designer credit for this movie. Thank you. That must be so exciting. It was uh, kind of unexpected, actually. It wasn't supposed to happen that way, but I'm like super thankful that it did. Originally, I was supposed to be the truck costumer and because we're dealing with a pandemic and the province of Manitoba went into state of emergency code red situation. So we weren't really sure if we were allowed to have productions take place. Um, a lot of productions got shut down and there was like a two week period where Snowkist was in limbo, basically, right? Yeah. And then when we got the go-ahead, because we were in already in pre-production, they were allowed to continue and carry out the, the job. But then a lot of people decided not to come back, which is totally understandable because, uh, you know, nut safety first is number mm -hmm. one, right? So the original designer, Heather Neal, decided to take a step back and they were searching for a new designer. And I had actually worked on Christmas by Starlight just before that with the same, the same production ours. company. <laughs> yep. And the production manager phoned me and was like, so remember we had a conversation during Starlight that uh, you would eventually be interested in possibly designing. And I was like, yeah, definitely. He's like, well, how about now? And I'm like, um, like now as in, he's like, like you'd start like after we get off the phone. <laughs> so not even a chance to like take it in. It was just like full on, like, here we go. You're going to be the designer and you have seven days to, before we go to camera. <laughs> oh, wow. So oh, wow which normally prep prep for a movie like this would be like three weeks would be generous. Two weeks is pretty common, mm -hmm. but seven days before you go to camera was uh, unimaginable. <laughs> no, I can't even imagine. So that's wow. Yeah. So what happened? Yeah. How did, how did you handle that? Like what, what, what does your role exactly entail? That's one of the things we were curious about. What does your role exactly entail? And then how did you handle that seven day window? So, first of all, I needed to find uh, a crew to go on this journey with me. And <laughs> I needed to hire an assistant designer, as well as a set costumer and a truck costumer. 
I did from there is you kind of have to, you know, obviously read the script and then come up with a, like a costume board or a, like a lookbook to pitch to the Hallmark Network so that they can see the ideas that you are thinking for these characters. So I would, you know, do a lot of searches. Uh, Pinterest is a costume designer's best friend <laughs> and you would create different looks. So for Kate, I had to create a New York look image for her, um, her introduction to Banff. Then when she's a little bit more settled into Banff, so there was, a, oh, then there was the PJs as well. Uh, so you really have to break down every scenario in the script. For Chris McNally's character, Noah, you know, basically I kind of went with the uh, rugged mountain man look. And uh, I enjoyed that it. Was my, <laughs> I enjoyed yes. the rugged mountain man look. <laughs> and then uh, with Simon, it was kind of mountain man professional. It was like mountain man but with a tie. <laughs> that was kind of the uh, original idea, but then it evolved obviously from there, but that was my um, original take on it. And then Jane kind of being more the quirky best friend. So once you do all that, then the network gives you the okay to be like, yep, we like this, or, you know, let's change the... Originally I had Jennifer Lily's character in a more neutral tone, but then I switched it because I, I had Jane more quirky and more colorful, but I didn't want the focus to not be on Kate, obviously, right? So the network gave me some notes. Everything basically was spot on for what they were thinking as well. And now it was time for shopping. Well, in Manitoba, during that seven days, I think on day three, of prep, the province went into complete lockdown. Essentials only can be purchased, meaning only winter jackets and like boots and that. So you couldn't buy sweaters, you couldn't buy anything except for outerwear. Gosh. So now here I am trying to uh, design a movie and I have a costume fitting coming up for my four leads in, let's see, so it was Saturday when I started the costume fitting for all of them was Friday and we were going to camera the following Monday. So <laughs> no pressure, <laughs> no pressure whatsoever. And uh, so a lot of it was, I mean, I had such support from production. The director, Jeff Beasley was amazing. Uh, every step of the way gave me words of encouragement and that and helpful tips. So I'll, the Cartel Pictures Canada was the studio that we were doing this movie with. They had a costume warehouse, so a lot of it was stock that I had pulled for the movie. And then there was a few rental houses that we had rented stuff from. And then online shopping became the thing that we did. So the biggest challenge was not so much the shopping, it was how are we going to return the stuff that we're not going to use because Manitoba was not allowing any clothing to be returned during this time. And there was no date as to when we would be allowed to return any items that we did not use. So strategically planning, 
I learned uh, uh, how to strategically plan during that seven days, really. Yeah, this the is kind experience. of just being like thrown into the- Yeah, it's trial by fire. Yeah, yeah. It's a total trial by fire for you. Absolutely. And there was a lot of scary moments, I would say, that I was like doubting myself. But at the end of the day, like I said, my support system was amazing. And we hit it out of the ballpark. And my first initial uh, fittings, they were the they were a hit. Uh, the network really liked them, and the cast really liked them. So I went from there, basically out of how many. I think I probably had to fit maybe like almost fifty different looks plus on Jen Lily. Oh um, my goodness! Yeah, and normally on a lead, they would give you know three hours, sometimes eight hours, no, generally an eight hour day to do a costume fitting. We had two hours because of the, because of the quarantine period, she was isolating in Winnipeg for uh, 14 days. So as soon as she got out of isolation, it was, she needed to go see the hair for hair tests, makeup tests and costumes. And plus we also had Chris McNally coming in that day as well too. So Time was not on anyone's side, but I found especially not on mine. (laughs) But they were great. They were fantastic. We got the looks that we needed approved to at least get through day one of filming. And the challenge then for me was to how do I take all these looks that I have and assign them to each specific story day in the script and make them work as a whole. As in, you know, not everyone being dressed in green and not everyone having the same color jacket and, mm-hmm. and you know, looking very uniform. It was really trying to fit their character. That to me, I think was probably the most challenging but creative and enjoyable part of the whole experience was you know getting getting those color palettes and working with what i have to really make sure that they all complemented each other if that makes sense yeah yeah it totally does so you really do have pretty much full creative freedom that's what i was curious about but it sounds like you get to look at the characters see what you think they would wear I didn't know how that worked with like Hallmark and their brand, like how specific and like how much freedom you actually have. Um, I wouldn't say there is a lot of freedom, but I feel like because I've worked on so many Hallmark films in the costume department that I had a pretty good understanding of what Hallmark's brand is. And I think that really set me up for success was the fact that I already kind of knew what they would be looking for. And that's why I think it was so easy for them to say, yes, we like this. Yes, we like that. Mm -hmm. Yep, go ahead with this. Because I understood what they wanted. Give the client what they want, right? Exactly. And uh, yeah, that, that that was the beginning of, uh, of when I could breathe again. (laughs) 
Well, you did a great job. I really did. We definitely loved the look of everyone. Simon specifically, mm-hmm. you had, if you listen to the podcast, we we had a, a note about the glasses. We didn't know, does he already wear glasses? Was that his like little detail he added? Was that something you did? How did that come about? Um, so glasses, sometimes like glasses and watches and certain things is actually can be a props thing. Mm -hmm. So the glasses were not in my department under my control, but he doesn't wear glasses in uh, real life. Those, they had to go. I remember the day that they had their, uh, actually originally it was supposed to be Jane and Simon that were both supposed to have glasses because they both had glasses fitting, um, which delayed my costume fitting, I believe one day. (laughs) Glasses. (laughs) Yeah. So when I hear the word glasses, it's kind of like, uh, you know, triggering. All those... <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so that wasn't uh, in my area. So I can't really touch on that too, too much. Gotcha. Well, what, what about what about Noah? I mean, we, we talked about it in the podcast a little bit. Why doesn't he have a hat on top of that mountain? His poor ears <laughs> are bright red. Even if he's a mountain man, mountain men need hats. What, what was your thoughts on that? Behind made... that? That made me laugh when I heard that because I made sure that I had every piece of article that I could think of. And there was hats that were uh, approved for his character. Mm -hmm. And I always made sure they were there, but it was a creative decision between Chris McNally and, but ultimately Jeff Beasley. He did not want a hat on Noah. Oh. So yeah, they don't want to mess up that hair. Huh? Yeah, I I, exactly. Right. <laughs> See, and for uh, Leanne, the, the head of hair department, she was like, anytime you want to put hats on them, go for it. Only because then for her, it makes it easier in the hair department, right? Throw a hat on them. And, uh, you know, they don't have to worry about the, the hair movement too much. And I was like, yeah, sure. We can, uh, we can throw a hat on him whenever we can. And, and the general, direction was no hats on Noah. Every time we tried to slip a hat on him, they were like, no, let's, <laughs> let's ditch the hat. There are some scenes that they did do takes of where he is wearing a hat. And then, you know, the next take, the hat comes back to the costume track. No, nope, oh, they don't want the hat. Okay. Well, what, so then you gotta just gotta roll on with that. A little inside scoop. What hat was he wearing? What hat was the mountain man wearing? What did you pick out? Um, I think what we went with was just almost like beanie too. I think the hats that um, Simon ended up wearing when he had a toque on were the ones in different colors though. Uh, I think it was like a, I feel like it was a blue, almost beanie kind of. I'm beanie's not the right word because I'm, I can't think of what the right word is for it, but it was just a basic toque. I wanted one of those full on hats with the fur yes yes that's exactly what i was picturing noah wearing i was like he would totally rock that he would rock that out (laughs) and we did have one there but that one was never even looked at (laughs) they were like no that's that's definitely not a possibility so (laughs) which is too bad because i think it would have worked out brilliant right but i mean don't get me wrong i think it turned out great but yes Mm -hmm. the red the red ears um you know that that just goes to show you how cold it really is in Manitoba. How, I mean, how hard is it to film in that, in that kind of weather? Um, really, it depends on 
the day, but you kind of get used to it and, and dress for it. I'm sure the actors have a different take on it, especially if they're from LA or somewhere that, you know, doesn't have snow and mm-hmm. are used to uh, the sets department putting down uh, fake snow, right? It, it can be very, very challenging. And I guess it's, it's almost as annoying as filming in rain but instead of just rain, you also have the temperatures to deal with as well too. Mm-hmm. So shorter times to film because you're trying to warm up most of the time. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because when they're up on that mountain, there's really nowhere for them to go to warm up in between takes, I'm assuming. Well, and the, and the stuff in the mountain was done in BAMP. So the one thing I wanted to touch on from the podcast that you guys did was we only filmed because Banff is in Alberta, Mm. which is a different province. We only filmed in Banff for two days. The rest was all done in, in uh, Winnipeg. Okay. So it's it's like the other, it's like the other film. We got to get to Winnipeg because whatever (laughs) those shots are, I mean, it's beautiful. (laughs) Yes. A lot of it. Yeah. It was, you know, the, the B and B, was Winnipeg. The shots that you see where they're up in the mountain and the gondola was, and there was a few other scenes I think that we did as well that were in Banff, but majority of it was done in Winnipeg on a uh, place called Pine Pine Ridge Hollow. And also the owner of Pine Ridge Hollow, their house. The owner's house so we had two locations and the owner's house the owner's property had two houses on it which worked out because they used one for the writer's house mm-hmm. and then you know a five minute walk over was the main house where they shot most of the stuff for inside the b&b okay and fun fact they also used that for the offices for new york as well <laughs> Really? Yes. So that okay. was all done in the same house. This is, I mean, yes, yeah, some great shooting then. I didn't even, I didn't even see that. That's awesome. And, and Pine Ridge Hollow oh, is the one that has the smash burger. Am I right? Yes, that is correct. Uh, they had, that was the little restaurant in there as well. That was used for Kate and Jane's bedroom and the market was all in that one building. That's so yes. fascinating. Have you had the smash burger? I have not, but when I saw them smashing a million of them, <laughs> I was like, this thing looks phenomenal. I I was literally laughing. I didn't know that, you know, coming in and out, doing a million other things. And then when I came in to uh, watch a few takes of that scene, I thought that was the best scene ever. Just the, I wasn't expecting the smash. And uh, no, I don't think alarming. anyone was. was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every time I thought that that was great. That was that was one of my favorite scenes to see live. Never mind seeing it also in the movie, right? Right. How much food did he get all over his precious clothes? I can imagine how many takes they took. Yeah. How, how does that like, work? Like, if there is as they're eating, like, do, are there how many items of a clothing do you have? That kind of thing. Do you have backups for for that? No. 
and that wasn't uh they were definitely not messy at all okay um no nothing ended up being on the costume i didn't even actually think about that until now <laughs> i never even thought that that would be an issue but that could definitely be an issue that could have that could have been a, a catastrophe but uh it never ended up being that way well that's um, good if i was smashing that burger it would have been all over <laughs> <laughs> right the one thing that I was going to say that we did have extra costumes for was for a scene that actually never ended up being shot. So the gondola scene was not supposed to be. Oh, that no. wasn't right. That <laughs> was originally the biggest hype of the movie was ice wall climbing. So that was supposed to be the big milestone Kate getting over her fear was climbing this ice wall. Oh, that's why she mentions the rock climbing wall in the, earlier in the movie. She mentioned that she was yes. on a rock. Oh, that makes so much sense now. Right. When we got to them, I got a phone call as soon as we landed that, uh, oh yeah, by the way, we're not doing the ice wall anymore. And I thought, oh, that's the funniest thing I've heard. And they're like, no, we're serious. The ice wall because the weather was so warm in Banff that it was an active waterfall. Oh my God. <laughs> so Ugh. behind the scenes, everyone's scurrying and figuring out what are we gonna do? I'm like, I have these costumes that were very expensive, or these clothing items that were very ex expensive specifically for the ice wall climbing. Mm -hmm. And we had to make sure they were warm enough. We had to make sure that they were authentic enough and we also had stunt doubles that were actually going to do the actual climbing and I needed duplicates of that. Oh so not only did I have, you know, a jacket that was $700, that was $700 times four, um, not including the pants and everything else. Of stuff you potentially back. can't return. Yeah. Exactly. And the, other thing was before we left for them there was because of our store closure and everything we had to pre-order stuff online and have it shipped in so my assistant was doing the online shopping and sending it to winnipeg and here we are you know two days before we leave for Banff. no nothing's arrived uh the day before we go to Banff. no nothing's arrived the day of BAMP, no, too late, we're on a plane. So I had to go and shop for specific things that we needed for BAMP while there. Wow. <laughs> because our orders never came in. And I also had extra suitcases that I had to bring with me because I couldn't do any clothing returns in Winnipeg. I ended up taking them in my suitcase. And as soon as I got off the plane, I was at the stores in Alberta returning the clothes that I couldn't do in Manitoba. <laughs> so my mind already was like, it was, there was no, everyone's like, oh, it would be so nice to go to Banff. It would be so nice to uh, go in the mountains and everything. Yeah, it would be nice, but this is definitely not one of those trips. Some people got to go to, uh, from the airport and go and just relax for the, the rest of that day. I was literally got my rental vehicle was at the mall, waiting for stores to open, shopping, getting what I needed to, returning thousands of dollars of 
of clothes, getting a phone call saying, we're not doing the ice wall anymore. And was basically at, on standby waiting at the mall for them to figure out what they're going to do instead. Wow. And so I'm sitting there waiting and then I'm thinking, I really hope that whatever they decide to do goes with the costumes that I had packed and brought. <laughs> because like I said originally with them, that I'm only bringing exactly what we need. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, everything did work out. I got back to the hotel because I wasn't getting an answer because I think there was no answers to be given because no one knew right away. And it really wasn't until the morning of 4, 4 a.m. Uh, when they decided, okay, this is what's going to happen. And this is how we're going to handle it. They swapped the days around, the shooting days. So they had a little bit more time to prepare. And they went with the gondola as an alternative for the heights, the getting over her fear of heights. Mm -hmm. And the gondola, I think everyone had to get over their fear of heights because we all had to go up there. <laughs> I know. I was like, I don't know if I could have done that, no, but it was... it was a great shot. It was. Yes, that that was uh, I wasn't sure how that was going to turn out because obviously the gondola goes up and there's so many, you know, there's one and then another one goes and another one goes. So literally it was the Jen and Chris were in the first one with, I believe, the camera operator maybe sound and uh the director they were all in there and <laughs> that's a tight, yeah. that's a tight shot right there <laughs> literally like sardines probably um and then they had to bring up all the gear because all of the rest of our shots that we did were up on that up on that mountain going up so all the camera gear had to be loaded on into uh, a gondola there was myself with my costumes in my wagon and i'm like i've i've done the gondola before but i've done it with my wife a few times so i always had someone and i have anxiety like never mind talking about flying and getting on an airplane I, i'm kind of like actually the, the male version of kate here because i was like i didn't want to fly i didn't want to do the gondola and i didn't have anyone except for a whole bunch of clothes in my gondola with me so while they're filming three gondolas up there's me three gondolas behind freaking out because i did not want to go up there oh god well good for you yeah i, yeah. I don't know if i could do that I, I would have buried my my face in those clothes and just not looked around anywhere like i just ugh, ugh. and then i feel at one point they were like we may have to stop the gondolas at some point. And I was like, oh, if no. that happens, that is like, that's like me going on a Ferris wheel when you're trying to get off and you're stuck at the top and it sways back and forth a little oh, bit. Gosh. That's like my biggest fear. And that's all I was thinking. Thankfully that never happened. And then of course, what goes up must come down. Yep. So we still got to get back on this gondola again and go down. <laughs> well, I mean, you mentioned the Ferris wheel. I was actually on a Ferris wheel in uh, New Jersey on the boardwalk. And we were at the top and all of a sudden the power went out throughout the entire park. And so we're just on this Ferris wheel, just swaying back and forth with no power. It was, wow. it was awful. Terrifying. Awful, awful. That sounds so terrifying. that gondola gave me, gave me some, uh, some flashbacks to that. <laughs> yeah. So kudos to, you know, the, you know, the writers and, and director and everyone who, you know, made that scene happen. I mean, that it still worked. It worked out great. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a great thought, scene. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, it, sorry it, you had to go through that, but it was a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> One hey, of my that's favorites. What, that's what it's. Uh, that's what it's all about, right? It's. Uh, it's giving what the viewers want. <laughs> Little did we know what poor Nathan was going through behind the scenes. Right. Yes. Literally, constantly, it was always, there was always something that I needed to do. And, and you know, if it wasn't shopping, it was doing costume fittings or it was doing returns and, and figuring out the days and, and what they're going to wear and everything. Yeah, it's, it's an eye opener. Um, and then the the level that you're on when you're working in that position, because normally as a, a costumer under the costume designer, you know, you, you answer to them, but as the designer, you're answering to producers and the network and uh, the art department and everything. So I got to see a whole new side of it wow. and it was just it was unbelievable and I would love to do it again. I would love to do it again without there being a pandemic, however. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. So yeah, not only first time designer for a movie with probably the shortest prep schedule ever, dealing with the pandemic on top of that was I think crazy. So I said, if there was, if there was anything that, if, that I couldn't do, it wasn't because I couldn't do it it was because the pandemic got in the way was the way that I looked at it, but it didn't get in the way. I mean, you know, I think it made it that much better because you really had to put a few thinking caps on mm -hmm. and make it work. Well, I mean, I was going to say I mean, the, at the end, it, it was incredible. So you just overcame everything and just sort of rose above and we had these, these great outfits. I mean, for me, I think Kate's New York outfits were probably my favorite, uh, especially the one that she wears at the end. I love that outfit. That was, it was that was, a yes. blue coat. It was the, uh, I think it was a, a black shirt with like little, some sort of design oh, on it. Oh, in her apartment. Yeah. Oh yeah, she had like the high waist. Yeah, it was, green love those pants. New York outfits. Those were, those were oh, yeah. I like that outfit. Those yes. were fantastic. What, what was your favorite outfit from the, from the film? For any character. <sighs> any character, let's see. Well, I really loved the blue coat uh, on Kate. That that coat was like my favorite coat. That blue, it was just such an amazing color. Um, favorite look? I, I really actually liked all of, of Simon's looks, to be honest. <laughs> I did too. Um, I think that's probably the common thing, but you know, that, because it had that casual, but also professional feel yeah. to it sometimes right and uh that that's a style that I, I i do enjoy definitely um a lot of fun i got to have a lot of fun with everything that that uh amy wore playing jane mm -hmm. uh that you know like every literally I, I loved all of them there was not one that i didn't like but i really got to play with their individual characters like it was yeah, it, it really, I don't even know the words to describe how uh, how phenomenal it was to be able to do this. Like, wow. you know, not 
designing before in film i should say like i've i've been a costume designer for cultural dance for many years uh ukrainian dancing and that's kind of where my background in costuming came from and this was just a whole new level and this wasn't just like you know doing an amateur low budget film this was for hallmark so like this was kind of like a make it or break it in my mind yeah and uh that uh there was there's been a lot of people that have reached out and and curious about where these jackets were from or where a specific uh. sweater was from and and so uh the network's been reaching out to me asking do you know where this is from and a viewer has been asking and i'd be getting personal messages on social media asking about certain things as well too oh my goodness that's that's still so good yeah it that's really it. does Congrats! i mean honestly congratulations way to just just <laughs> rock it that is that's awesome. That is awesome. Thank well, you. I know. My mom loved it. That's high praise. <laughs> she made a comment about that she loved the coats and jackets. <laughs> so <laughs> they were, it was, you know, was that excellent. you've done well. I mean, 90% of uh, what people see are the clothes, yeah. right? Like it sometimes you can, when I'm watching a show, sometimes costumes can be distracting because either they don't work they stand out in the wrong way, but sometimes, or I feel like they can work when you don't notice them or when you notice them, but in a positive way, right. like when you're really drawn to it. And I think, I think I mastered that on this one, not to uh, toot my own horn there, but. No, toot away, toot away, please. I, I think you've earned a toot or two, you toot away. Definitely. It's so yeah. fascinating to hear like, you know all that you have to go through i don't think people realize you know what all goes into it so yeah it's it definitely has its own little behind the scenes you know they're they're always showing uh on films like behind the scenes of with the actors and stuff like that but really you could make a whole film and documentary behind the scenes in the costume department Mm -hmm. because that (laughs) that the things you the challenges you have to go through and everything it's just it's unbelievable but I I, a lot of people that you know were either thinking about doing this movie uh, as a costume designer and you know they were on the fence especially with the pandemic and that and with the short turnaround they didn't want the stress of it to be honest I did not feel Okay, except for maybe like two days, I felt stressed. But like a lot of it, I felt calm. And usually I'm, you know, full of anxiety, but I was calm and I just went with it. And it was like the most relaxing experience ever. What? Because it really was. Like I usually freak out um, and have, you know, panic attacks here and there. But at the end of the day, I had so much energy and so much positivity that I felt like a whole new person. I was like, maybe I found my new career path. I mean, obviously my career path has been in the costume department, but maybe this is uh, something I should explore more. That's uh, amazing. It sounds like you were the right person for the job. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know 
who would be able to say they felt relaxed in a situation like that. <laughs> but that's amazing that that's the experience that you had. Because I knew it was going to be what it was going to be. And at the end of the day, you know, I just had to make it work with what I had. And uh, I wasn't going to stress over it because I couldn't. What could I do? It's okay if, if uh, we need this other, we would like to go with a different top, let's say. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, where do you want me to find that? Because I can't buy anything right now, <laughs> right? Like I had to think outside the box and I did just that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you, you just made it work. I, I think you went above and beyond just making it work. So, I mean, honestly, congratulations and just a superb job all around. Thank you. I had a question. Oh, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> um, you worked on Christmas by Starlight, which was our favorite Christmas movie this past season. I did. Um, and if I don't know if you listened to that particular episode, but we both love ugly Christmas sweaters. So I didn't know who was responsible for Kimberly Sussed's sweater. We loved it so much. Mm. Did you have any say in that? <laughs> because it was a, a true ugly Christmas sweater. We've seen some other Hallmark movies where they say it's an ugly Christmas sweater and it looks like it just came from Target, which isn't an ugly Christmas sweater. There's, you gotta have some history with that sweater. And there wasn't this one. So can you tell right. us a little bit about that? Um, I feel like that one, I feel like it was actually something that Kim had brought in. Oh. So I think it was, as, as far as I remember, I think it was actually, it belonged to her or her mother or grandmother or something. Like, oh my gosh, I, See, it's a true, it's we a knew true it, sweater. we just knew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, from what I can remember anyway, I feel like that was the, the story behind it. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I mean, you, you talked about this a little bit before, um, but when you're, when you're doing this, this is your first time, do you want yeah. the, the costumes to stand out? Do you want them to just feel natural and sort of blend in? Like, or is there a happy medium grounding? And again, you talked about this before, but I'm thinking about, um, what was the last movie we watched? The New Year's Resolution one, where I think those costumes stood out in a good way. You know, they were very yes. unique, but they seemed to fit the character. How, how do you do that? How do you go about sort of balancing um, that? And again, I, I worked on uh, New Year's Resolution as well. And I, with, with that costume designer, Bonnie Sutherland, who actually I'm going to be working uh, with her in a project in, coming up in an, uh, a week or two. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, she's also a big inspiration. And uh, I've learned a lot from her. So I'm excited to get to work with her again. So I feel that you want certain things to really stand out. So like, for example, when Kate was in New York, everyone was kind of very neutral. So like lots of blacks and grays and beige and stuff. But that's why I wanted her specifically in that electric blue coat, because you want to see like, this is your first meeting of her. So that specifically, was something that yes you wanted her to pop and stand mm -hmm. out to show that she is the lead and she is in charge and when you have the supporting actress which was amy anytime that they were beside each other i always wanted to make sure that kate 
stood out a little bit more, but not to a point where it was completely noticeable. So like, you know, like, yeah, like I said before, so if, if I knew that I wanted Kate in a specific outfit, then I needed to make sure that whatever she was wearing complemented or whatever Noah was wearing complemented what I had planned to put Kate in. And then if I knew that Simon and Jane were gonna be in it, I had to make sure that they didn't clash color-wise with our two lead characters. So I think it's really a matter of choosing your palette wisely. Okay. And I, I don't want, I don't know if you really want them to stand out too much. Um, I think, I don't know. Did you find that they stood out in a good way? <laughs> There's a question for you guys. I think for this film, I, I think the costumes fit the characters perfectly. Like there, there wasn't a moment where I was like, why are they wearing that outfit? There, was, there wasn't a moment right. like that. For New Year's Resolution, I think the costume stood out in a good right. way. I think there was more... Well, we noticed that it seemed more right. unique and yeah. like modern, more like kind of cutting edge for Hallmark, but that was a good thing. We enjoyed that. Yeah. But for but for this one, I felt like the costumes fit the characters perfectly. Right. Yeah. So it's just, it's just interesting as as a customer, what kind of mindset yeah. you go in. And maybe it's the film and the characters themselves, you know, trying to find that, that look for them and fit the story, basically. I think so. And I think that maybe, you know, knowing that a lot of it was going to be shot outdoors. And the difference I think with this one is that a lot of our background uh, color palette was white, where New Year's resolution, different uh, scenario, right? There were so many different uh, events that you couldn't really pick a palette because Chinese New Year's is going to be different from, yeah. you know, <laughs> the Roaring Twenties event oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and the Polar Plunge, right? Like, uh, wow. so you got so many different scenes and so many different backgrounds that you know it bonnie did a amazing job on that and uh this one it was more it was very consistent when it came to the the story right it was always right. in bam and uh except for new york so new york it had that little bold color pop but there wasn't that uh, really it was one of the first hallmarks that i worked on that never really had a big gala scene, right? Where normally oh. the main has a, you know, usually it's a, a fancy red dress or something. Yeah. I find that that the red dress is, is pretty iconic when it comes to a uh, uh, leading lady in, in Hallmark. Mm -hmm. But uh, this one didn't have that whatsoever. You're absolutely right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that, yeah, there was no, there was no ball scene. Yeah. Her coat so at the end was I, a little fancier. Like that blue coat with it had like the sash belt. Yeah. <laughs> that was like that your equivalent was, of a red dress. That was your red dress moment. <laughs> that was one. I, that blue coat was the same blue coat in the beginning. I wanted it to be full oh. circle. Oh. Yeah. That was my idea with that. I really wanted her to, like we played it so that she'd be more in the pea coats in the beginning of the movie. Right. Um, and then depending then she slowly started to warm up to the idea and get more comfortable. And that's why then you see puffer jackets. And that's why then, you know, and with the exception of the day when she went, they went for the interview, I had her a little bit more dressed up for that. But I wanted her to be more relaxed as she went along because that was 
what her character was getting more comfortable, right? Yeah. And then I went, when she came back to New York, you know, I went with her black coats because, mm -hmm. you know, she wasn't feeling it anymore, right? Wasn't going to her to get her bagel and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was called that coat the, the depressing coat because that's how she was feeling, I think. Yeah. And then I figured, okay, she's still a New York girl. So her coming to uh, back to the B&B, I was like, I could put her in a full on, you know, um, vamp look, mountain girl, I guess we can call it. Um, but it didn't fit right. I still feel like, you know, sh that that blue coat would make make a statement that she's coming from New York. She's getting her life back again. And she's positive. She's happy. She knows what she wants. And I also want to touch on <laughs> where you guys thought that uh, she thought that it was Noah, but it was really Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was uh, funny. I think that wasn't originally scripted. And I don't know why that came about, but I, I kind of do, I guess you could say, I think it was I don't want to say it was my fault, but I didn't realize that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> I didn't realize that if you watch that scene again, and if you looked at the outfits, that that's the one time where Simon and Noah are almost wearing very close clothing, where oh. the color palettes are the same. And it just ugh, happened to be that way. And I didn't realize it until I actually came on to set where I was like, ooh. And I was like, they're kind of a twinning moment here. Uh, <laughs> right? So I was like, oops. But my whole plan for that, because I only had limited uh, supply of, of outfits and I never, you never want to play the same one twice. But I wanted to kind of up Chris McNally's look there to kind of be like, you know, find his nice sweater. He kind of gets more a little bit, kind of one, I've tried to make it so that he impresses her a little bit more and his look also takes a change, but in a more stylish way near the end is was my goal. And I don't think that that outfit that he wore in the final scene ever, it never got its its moment. Is <laughs> And I, I do, I that's the one thing I wish that I would have played that outfit in a different spot or that it was seen in a different way because it never did it never did play the way that I wanted to but yeah I think because I dressed them so alike it was kind of an oopsie on on my part but you know it is it is what it is I think it kind of I thought it was kind of funny to be honest when uh when I watched it but I did too she's the one that didn't I think it was thought funny. it was funny I just <laughs> to me, it was obvious it wasn't Noah, but I did love when Simon turns around and gets to take his glasses Takes his off. glasses off, yeah. <laughs> yes, but she could have also been let weak in, in her defense. She was just so determined, right? That she was, her her vision was clouded, let's say. Yes. Um, vision yeah. was clouded by love. <laughs> right, she was looking exactly. at the clothes, not the hair. She, you know, the similar. Yeah, she's just so going right to Noah, right to Noah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and originally, I think, and the reason why also that that my outfits became very similar was because that was one of my um, high 
stress days, we can call it, um, <laughs> where, because again, the pandemic seems to be a common theme around this uh, time of our lives. And our set costumer was sick that day, but not, not, not with the virus or anything, but because of specific, uh, if you had more than two symptoms, you weren't allowed to come to set that day. Um, so that happened to be that day, as well as a day where I had all my fittings for the chocolatier and the wine cellar and the cheese uh, lady. Like everyone was coming in for a fitting that day. I didn't have anyone on set. We thankfully found someone to come in probably maybe an hour before I had to do all my fittings. And they've never been on set before for costumes. So I was also training as I was going. <laughs> and at one point, my truck costumer, Kristen, was like, so this is a new outfit for Simon. What shirt do you want? And I just kept saying, you know, this one, this one. And I kept saying gray. And uh, oh, yeah, let's do the gray pants because so-and-so, uh, not so-and-so, Noah's not in them. So she just went with what I said because I'm the designer. And uh, then after lunch, before we were going to shoot that scene, I saw him walking out and I was like, what are you wearing? And he's like, whatever you put out for me. <laughs> and I was like, fair enough. And then I literally had him in a gray jacket, gray shirt, gray pants. Like he was gray top head to toe. And I thought clearly I wasn't listening to what, people were asking me and I was having one of those moments, but in my defense, it was one of those days. Yeah, so you're, I had you're, to... allowed, you're allowed to have one of those moments. You're allowed to have one right. of those moments. Yeah. I didn't notice, so... I didn't say, man, he's just gray on gray on gray. <laughs> no, it didn't actually make it on camera. That was, oh. that's why. You put a stop was... to that. You're like, no, no, we got to fix this right now. <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, no, that is, I'm, I'm embarrassed for him. I'm embarrassed for myself that I did that. I think Chris McGalley said, is that what you're wearing? He's like, I guess so. So I was like, okay, we've got to put a stop to this. So I ended up switching it. And that's why they kind of look similar. They have like the similar clothing at the end. Okay. Is because otherwise he would have been... All gray. All gray, yeah. Um, <laughs> so well, there's I a few stories there. So how exactly did you get started in the costume designer business? So there's... Uh, town, small town close to where I am, uh, Toulon, and I'm a part of the Toulon Veselko Ukrainian Dance Club, and that's where I got my, I'm still a part of them to this day, obviously. With the pandemic, we aren't uh, having any classes we haven't had for a year now, mm. um, but that's back in, I think, what it been 2008 would have been when I got my first costuming job officially even though it was kind of like more amateur but still it's uh it really was the opening of the door for me with that and then i came from healthcare. i was working in uh, a hospital and uh, was a healthcare aide for over five years and then i took a break and i was like i want to try something different and i went from just looking online and I saw that Cirque du Soleil was hiring because they were coming to town and they were looking for a costumer uh, to dress backstage. And I was like, oh, sure, why not? I'll apply for that. Let's see, I'll never get it. <laughs> Literally had like made it to like the third interview and 
got hired for that and uh, got to do their run while they were here in Manitoba as well as when they went to Alberta. And from there, I was like, okay, I literally ran. Like no one can, not many people can say it, but I literally left my job in healthcare to go run away with the circus. And, uh, <laughs> and from there, I met my friend, Nicole, who also did the same thing, left her government job to go run away with the circus. And she got into film right after that. I took a little break because, you know, I went off leaving my wife and, and daughter behind to go and do this crazy thing. And our son was born after we came back. I came back from uh, working with Cirque du Soleil. And then I was like, okay, what can I do next? And literally I went into the office to go apply because I was interested in, in costuming for film. Not even an hour after I applied, I got a call from the costume designer and said, we need someone to start tomorrow full time. And not a hot clue what to do and where I was going. I never saw a costume truck before. I was lost. I had no idea. I was like, this is going to be very short lived. I will never be asked to work on a costume truck again <laughs> or in film in general. And that was actually my first movie was Hallmark. It was Love and Design with Danica McKellar and Andrew Walker. So here I am, first, uh, first show ever, dressing these two, very well known in the Hallmark community. <laughs> um, and uh, literally from there, I've been working ever since. That's amazing. And, you know, it's, it's been uh, stepping stones. I've just taken every opportunity as it comes. And uh, it's uh, a, a blessing. Like I, I, it's a blessing to even be talking to you guys and doing this, like. It's a, it's a peek behind the curtains. And, you know, one of the things when we started this is we really wanted to highlight every aspect of film because so much goes into filmmaking and we really wanted to yeah. highlight that. So this is, this is incredible for us. Well, yeah. hopefully I, I gave you a different perspective on uh, costuming and, and the- uh, Oh, you did. Um, I, don't, I don't think we'll look at a, a scene the same way again. Like each no. scene now we're gonna be looking at costuming. Yeah, I mean, and we're fascinated with the whole, you know, process of everything. It's not just, you know, the actors. Mm. We love hearing stories about you know, the crew and everything and getting to talk to Leslie Dimitriotis, you know, directing. It's just yes. all very fascinating. And we love that we have this space to let you guys share your stories. I'm so grateful for it. Uh, I'd like to have a little thing at the end where you can sort of proudly plug anything you want, let our listeners know where they can connect with you, what you have coming up and all of that good stuff. Sure. So I kind of already gave uh, a plug to my Ukrainian dance group, uh, Tulan Vasalka Ukrainian Dance Club. You can find them on Facebook under Tulan Vasalka Ukrainian Dance Club or Instagram at Tulan underscore Vasalka. You can find me on Instagram under Nathan.Michael.Fletcher as well as on Facebook. I have a uh, Facebook page, Nathan Michael Fletcher as well there. And Twitter, I believe. I think it's Nathan Michael. I'm not too sure. I, I've never been one to really get into Twitter. I can't, you know, all this tweeting. Like, I, I don't know. that. That's one platform that has just never, ever been 
something that I could really connect with. So maybe don't check me out on that because uh, <laughs> I don't use very much. <laughs> and yeah, no, I just want to, uh, you know, I'll take my moment to uh, thank people, I guess. And like, not like it's an Academy Award, but- uh, well, Receive just, your please. award, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, just to, to thank everyone who I've crossed paths with in, in the film industry and, you know, every, costumer that I've worked with every designer has made an impact and has made me the person who I am today but I couldn't have done this or be doing any of this if it wasn't for my wife Jessica and you know our two kids and letting me go out and work crazy long hours and and uh you know sometimes we would be 14 hours on set uh, a day and because I live in a small town, which is an hour from an hour north from Winnipeg, there would be nights where I wouldn't, there'd be weeks where I wouldn't be able to come home because it just wasn't practical. I'd be spending more time driving to and from commuting for four hours as opposed to sleeping. So it, uh, I'm grateful for having her in my life and being very supportive of my career choice, especially after leaving healthcare nine to five Monday to Friday job to go run away with the circus and then <laughs> have a schedule that you just don't have a schedule for, which is film. And, and, uh, and that again is one of my gray days was the prep and not, you know, not being home and, and because of the pandemic and the complete code red situation. And uh, I remember we were in a parking lot. We just met up in a parking lot because I was, I didn't want to put them at risk because I was, you know, working on the film and I didn't want to, uh, you know, not that I was contagious or anything, but, you know, spreading, spreading germs. Right. Like, mm -hmm. so that was, that was the hardest moment moment on the film besides having to see that gray, gray on gray on gray. Um, <laughs> that was pretty hard too, but this was hard on an emotional level, you know, seeing your family, your wife and your kids, and you couldn't even hug them, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah, that right. one moment was just like, okay, maybe I don't think I want to be a designer. But after that week, and that was in the in the seven day prep. So you can imagine that that was a very stressful week. Yeah. But it wasn't until being on on set and production was was in uh, full motion that things got was was when things got more relaxed. So, yeah, amazing woman and and has taken great care of our kids. And I'm off to British Columbia next week. I am driving and I'm working, like I said, on a production with designer Bonnie Sutherland. And I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully Manitoba will be able to lift some restrictions and people will stay home and you know wear a mask and wash your hands. And so we can uh, give more content, content for everyone and make more Hallmark movies so that I can come back and do another podcast with you guys. <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh, yeah, we'd love to have you yeah. back. We'd love to have you back. People are interested in what other films that I've been a part of. Uh, definitely check out my IMDb page under Nathan Michael Fletcher and you will see uh, just how many Hallmarks I have been a part of, which I think makes it why this film looked the way it did because mm -hmm. of being involved in uh, so many and really understanding standing the brand.
Yeah, you knew what you were doing. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing more of your projects and we'll definitely have you back on if you'd like to come back. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I will. Uh, I'll have hopefully more exciting uh, stories for you and, and uh, fill you in on on what's what's happened since uh, we've had this podcast <laughs> yeah and hopefully then things maybe will be a little bit easier for you yeah. post, <laughs> you don't have to work around COVID so much right now that would be that would be the biggest thing is i would love to see uh, and do a, a show that doesn't have this many restrictions to it and i'm hoping that you know one day we will get to go back to um experiencing life as we once knew it right yeah and uh but i mean for now hey i know that i can do it in this situation there's nothing i think if i could do it now there's no reason why i couldn't do it in the uh life that we once knew exactly i would say so. exactly you had like the (laughs) hardest experience to be like introduced to this lead design thing so i mean yeah if you can do that i think you can do anything Totally. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks. Bye.